The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Tuesday, June 28th, if you are listening to the podcast in audio form. If you happen to be enjoying your Monday afternoon with us, it is June Monday, June 27th on, um, on the old YouTubes, where we're, where we're live. Uh, if you are joining us, what's up? Hope you're doing well. If you're listening, I hope you're doing well also. Uh, shout out to the McElroy brothers. Happy birthday to the Max. June 27th, which is really just my way of saying happy birthday to me a day later. Joining me to break down the top 10 tight ends and begrudgingly wish me happy birthday, Jordan Najani. What's up, buddy? Brinson, my man, what's going on? Thank you so much for having me on this afternoon. Happy birthday. Did you, did you do anything big for your big day? Um, no, I went, we went and saw Maverick. I, went, I played golf on Saturday with my dad and went and saw Maverick. Oh, fam went to see Maverick on, on Sunday. Great movie. By the way, I think today is actually Ryan Wilson's birthday as well. Happy birthday to him then. I think. Or is it his, uh, let me, I probably shouldn't be using a valuable computer. But first of all, I could have looked this up ahead of time. I can never remember. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Ryan Wilson's birthday. Let's confirm. Ryan is indeed on Facebook because he's an old man. And, you know, I can see Wilson like not putting his information. Um. That's true. Maybe. Yeah. Let's see, contacting basic info. Um, yeah, he didn't put anything on here. I'm like 90% sure it's his birthday. Steve, can you confirm? Nope. Cool. Um, Devo's not <laughs> confirming for me. Uh, anyway, if it's Wilson's birthday, happy birthday, Wilson. If it's not, I don't care. I don't need to know your birthday because you didn't text me on my birthday, Wilson, you big jerk. Anyway, uh, I'm 41 now. It doesn't feel very very different than 40. Although I gotta say, I feel kind of energized. I look a little more uh, tan, or at least red. Some yeah. sun in the face. You're looking good. It might be the change of scenery. It might be. It may just be my parents' house. Makes me feel youthful and invigorated. Anyway, um, I, I clearly haven't hosted a podcast in a week either, because uh, <laughs> or maybe this is normal. Um, when we, we're going to talk some news and we'll get to the, our top 10 tight ends as well. But we're going to start with Deshaun Watson news as his disciplinary hearing is beginning today. That would be Monday. The NFL reportedly wants to suspend Deshaun for one full year. 
And after the hearing, the NFL and NFLPA, so it's an objective third-party hearing. A former district court judge will be uh, hearing Watson's case and then issuing out punishment. I believe the NFL and the NFLPA can both appeal whatever punishment is meted out, meaning if um, I cannot for the life of me ever remember her name. Do you know her name offhand? Judge Sue L. Robinson. Thank you. I knew it was Sue something. Great job, Dejani. Way to be on top of your professional job. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's interesting. I wish this is something that we could actually watch because it's really interesting. This is a whole new hearing under the new CBA. As you mentioned, the power belongs to a disciplinary officer. But as you mentioned as well, it's interesting that both sides are going to have the ability to appeal. And you have to imagine that in this case, no matter what the judge decides that the other side will end up appealing. But the other thing that's really interesting about this situation is that, uh, you know, according to reports, the commissioner, Roger Goodell, still has a large amount of power and what might be definitively the final say when it comes to the actual punishment that's going to be handed down to Deshaun Watson. But it's interesting because I've seen a lot of other outlets write about it in terms of is Roger Goodell going to exercise that authority, that power, once Judge Sue L. Robinson comes out with her decision? Is this something he's not going to try to touch and have the final say on because this is really the first headliner of this new arbitration that's going on with the new CBA? So I think it's going to be really interesting to follow. Yeah, and uh, Mike Florio wrote about this, I believe, where it's you know under the, under the new CBA, they changed it so that way – you know, Roger Goodell wasn't the guy hearing. He, they didn't want him to be judge, jury, and executioner for these personal conduct policy situations. However, um, you know, like, let's be real here. The NFL and Roger Goodell are going to have some influence on this third party person handling these cases. Now, I'm not trying to impugn the, um, the uh, you know, ethical uh the ethical the ethical nature of how judge sue is going to handle all this but you're being paid by the league like you're being contracted out by the league to handle this as a third party but like i do think that there is some influence that could come into play there that's not you know like i think she, you know in other words I, I think she'll be reasonably impartial but i also think she'll go into it knowing that it, it's not her job she's not deciding whether deshaun watson is innocent or guilty of these things she's deciding whether deshaun watson to what degree deshaun watson should receive discipline from the nfl um and to what degree he should be disciplined so to me it's very difficult for her to simply be like a straightforward impartial third party here uh to a certain degree obviously it is like floria writes um you know the commissioner has the final say on on whatever is done quote, as long as the new disciplinary officer imposes any discipline at all on the player, meaning if she imposes a one-game suspension, Roger Goodell can basically come in and say, I don't think so, and change that. So knowing that as a third-party you know, disciplinary person, you are probably going to bias your decision a, a, towards what the NFL would believe is appropriate if that makes you know what i'm saying like because you know that the nfl is going to is looking for a one-year suspension if right. you're a disciplinary officer you're not going to give one game because then you're going to end up looking like an idiot and you're going to lose your 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 cushy paid job at the nfl right no that's a good point and i think that a lot of people would 
at least hypothesize that Judge Sue L. Robinson is going to side more with the NFL, just in terms of this entire off-field saga that she's been following, of course, right? Uh, You know, she's probably leaning more towards a year suspension as opposed to a one-game suspension. But that's where it could get really interesting is what if during this the course of this hearing we find out or, or she finds herself really siding with the NFLPA for whatever reason, that's when the NFL, like you said, is going to have to step in and, and hand down what would be a longer suspension. But at the same time, I don't think I don't know how many people actually believe that that's something that could happen. I mean, we're probably talking about a lengthy suspension, whatever that means. That's a very subjective term. Is that indefinitely? Is that one year? Is it 10 games? Whatever it may be. So it'll be interesting to follow. Um, Just looking at, you know, um, sort of looking at the. Again, the thing that Florio wrote here too, it's like, you know, she's not truly independent as usual, as usual, the real truth lurks in the fine print of the CBA. Here's the key language from article 46, section one EI of the CBA quote, unless the parties mutually determine otherwise, a disciplinary officer shall serve a minimum two year term. Therefore the disciplinary officer may be discharged by either party at any time upon 120 days written notice. So yeah, they can get rid of her anytime they want if they if they were so inclined. Meaning if they don't like the way that she's handling things, you know, it, it could change. Um, if you had to guess right now, over under eight and a half games, Deshaun Watson receives from the league as punishment, or from Sue Robinson, I guess, as punishment. Uh, what would be your over under guess there? I'm going over. Yeah, I'm going over with that. But with that okay. being said, over under ten and a half. I'll I'll lean over there. I'll lean over, over under twelve and a half. That's a tricky number. Uh, right, so 12, 12, 12 seems like it might be. I think so. If I'm the league, and I and I put and I push aggressively and publicly, not 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 when I say push publicly, I mean through back channels. You push for a full year, and you get twelve game suspension, and Deshaun agrees to that without an appeal. I mean. And now he would have to agree with it with no further discipline, I guess, like in the coming seasons. I mean, I think if I'm Deshaun Watson, I would take 12 games and run right now, knowing yeah. that I have a fully guaranteed contract that pays me a lot more money coming up after this season. I've already sat out one season. I don't really care if the Browns win or lose this year. I'm getting a million bucks. You know, you want to play, you want to win, but you're going to get five games in. Um, I, I would take 12 and run if I'm Deshaun Watson. I think. And let me ask you this too, because you know the the term or the length one year has been put in everyone's minds over the past couple of weeks. So that's what almost people seem to be expecting, maybe to a lesser degree. That's why I lean under, is because I think it's very possible that there's an actual set number of games. But let me ask you this: if it is twelve games, don't you think that the NFL or whatever side is going to catch flack for that decision? Uh, you mean like twelve is not enough? Correct. I see. I, I maybe. I think that 12 might be enough to get you past the people. The people are still going to do the Calvin Ridley got a year for betting on parlays on FanDuel. Deshaun, you know, I mean, like people are still going to do those comparisons. Um, I think 12 is, I think 12 maybe gets you enough public goodwill because 12 is a big suspension. Right. I think a full year gets you enough public goodwill where people won't complain. Um, indefinite and then you get through 12 and maybe you see like that wouldn't shock me either you're suspended indefinitely and then the nfl is just going to figure it out as it goes as these cases are settled because they're still like the texans just let's not forget this the houston texans this morning on monday morning got sued by some of the plaint by at least one of the plaintiffs in these cases 
And Tony Busby, the attorney for the said plaintiff, has said that the intent is to continue to sue the Houston Texans. Basically, and one of the allegations was negligence. You know, I mean, that's a big, like, if you're the NFL and you're talking about how to suspend Deshaun Watson, well, Deshaun Watson's comments about what how the Texans enabled his, his off-field behavior has now caused one of the NFL's clubs to be sued in civil court in these matters as well. And that makes it extremely problematic, Jordan, because when you start talking about an NFL club being sued, you then start to go down the road of potential discovery if the club does not settle. And if you get to discovery with an NFL club and you start pulling out communications from an NFL club, there's lots of things that will be discovered, whether relevant or not to the Deshaun Watson case, that the NFL and that the Houston Texans and that other franchises around the league and that lots of people inside the Houston Texans organization do not want to have discovered. Right. I've got a lot of espresso today, I should warn you. <laughs> um, the point being is that it's one thing for Deshaun Watson to be sued from a, from a league standpoint of, okay, like this is obviously very bad. But it's another thing for a, a club to be sued because when you have a civil lawsuit, you can compel during discovery the uh, uh, pr the production of documents as it relates to internal communications. For instance, you would write you would write when it's not a subpoena. What would it be um, anyway? However, you, the discovery doc, when you write it, it would be please provide. Oh yeah, it's it's a request for. It's a request for discovery, basically. At least in North Carolina, it is. I've written it before. Um, you, you, you. Please provide any and all documents pertaining to, and like any, like any communication about Deshaun Watson from X through X. And all of a sudden, you start to realize that some of the stuff you say in your email, you shouldn't be writing in your email. Like you shouldn't be texting. You should be calling people and saying it over the phone. When you start to think back on emails that have been written, especially as it relates to like this Deshaun stuff. So that's where if I were the Texans, I would be extremely um, unhappy that we also were being sued along with Watson being sued uh, because he no longer plays for the Texans. Right, right. And I want to say this, too. I'm not a lawyer, but at the same time, I kind of understand um, – or maybe I should say don't understand exactly pulling the Texans into this because I looked into the articles that were written about why the NDAs came about. And, and you know, one of the women's, one of the masseuses published a photo on Instagram showing Deshaun's phone number, cash app receipts, along with the photo, she added the message stating I could really expose you. Right. So Watson got the NDA because of that. And then that goes into the whole discovery thing, whether, you know, the Texans had any kind of knowledge of this, but at the same time, we've seen in text messages acquired from, the New York Times or by the New York Times that Deshaun Watson was using his reasoning for having an NDA with Houston almost seemingly as evidence that he wanted to keep these massages professional, which I thought was very interesting as well. I think this could end up being a nothing burger. But as you brought up the whole discovery phase, if that's something that comes into this and the Texans did indeed throughout whatever emails were, were sent back and forth through people with the organization, if they find damning emails like that, that's going to open up a whole new thing with this. Well, that's the thing. It's like, if you're the Texans, you know what, like if you're the Texans front office and ownership and whoever else, you know what emails you sent. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, do you think Cal McNair is smart enough to not say certain things over his, what he considers his personal email, even though it's his Houston, like he owns the team. So it's his personal email. I get it, but it's actually your work email and it is subject 
to like this is not some Gmail that no one can access. Like it's you know it's it, it, you can access the NFL servers, but the NFL does not want. They don't want this communication getting out there. We don't know what's in there. I'm just telling you. I guarantee you. Look at the Gruden and Bruce Allen stuff. Bruce Allen's firing off like, like, like he's like, like for like, like old creepy old man forwards or whatever. Like you know, to 100 people, like you know, from his Washington.NFL.com email address. Like dudes in that age range, trust me, <laughs> as someone who's <laughs> pathetically close to it now maybe even in that age range are not afraid, like are not afraid to sin to be on these e like email threads with a bunch of people with their professional emails. So the point being is that if you're the Texans, yes, maybe there's nothing there in terms of the actual negligence in terms of the actual enabling of Deshaun that could be proved in a civil, in a civil case that would net, you know, these plaintiffs, lots of money, but there is almost certainly enough stuff on the back end to scare the living crap out of the Texans that they would be willing to throw money at the problem to make it go away. So right. that's sort of where I'm at on that one. A lot more to unfold with the Deshaun Watson cases, case cases, of course. And uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty of updates in this coming week and weeks for now though, let's take a break. And when we come back Dejani and I will break down the top 10 tight ends in the NFL next. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And now, the top 10 tight ends in the NFL. Clearly, I was aware of whether there's a commercial or not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start with, uh, and um, again, like I've been on, I've been on vacation, vacation. Um, I've been away from work for a week. So I'm going to assume that this is an article written by you on the cbssports.com website that is readily available for our listeners to go check out if they want to see your full written reasoning. Indeed, it absolutely is. All right, well, let's get to it. Your number 10 tight end is who? Here's an interesting name, because if any other outlet or journalist was doing this article for Top 10 Tight Ends Entry 2022, this is a guy that's probably not on their list, and that is Zach Ertz of the Arizona Cardinals. I, I think this is an interesting one, because – he wasn't playing his best ball with the Philadelphia Eagles, and then all of a sudden he was traded, and we saw an uptick in his performance. Um, he's not somebody that obviously dominated in terms of run blocking, but he finished the 2021 campaign ninth among all tight ends in receiving yards, fourth in receptions, ninth in receiving touchdowns with five. Pro football reference, we like to use that approximate value tool a lot to see how a certain player performed during a certain campaign. They attributed an eight uh, to, to Zach Ertz, which was tied for fourth among all tight ends in the NFL last season. Again, it really comes down to how he performed in the receiving game 
not only with Kyler Murray, but with Colt McCoy with the Arizona Cardinals as well. He averaged 52.2 receiving yards per game once he joined Arizona. If he maintained that pace all year, that would have ranked eighth among all tight ends in that category. Is this probably his last season on my top 10 tight ends list? Probably, maybe, yes. But at the same time, this is a guy who has joined an explosive offense without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games. He's certainly going to play a role in the offense. I would like to still have Zach Ertz on my team if I was looking for a tight end. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, too, is um, with Ertz, Hopkins is going to miss six games. So, like, it's entirely possible that he's extremely productive from a statistical standpoint for much of the 2022 season. And I think you do have to kind of bake that into your rankings where you say, all right, look, you know, Rob Gronkowski might come back at some point. And, yes, I would take Gronk over Zach Ertz all day long, but Gronk, you know, is um, retired. And until Gronk announces that he's coming back and he maybe, maybe Tom Brady makes a call and they throw him some more money and he plays the whole season, in which case I think you probably bump Ertz off. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have no problem bumping him off, but definitely wanted to give him his flowers for how he bounced back with the new change of scenery. Rob Gronkowski is not included on this list. I, I subconsciously had the foresight to know he was retiring right before I published the article. So yeah, he yeah. wasn't on this list, but it should have ran with it and been like, no, nah, nah, I mean, Gronk retired. I changed I, the article. I, like, yeah. It wasn't Jordan Schultz. It was me. It was Jordan to Janney who broke the news of Gronk's retirement. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. I don't have a problem with Ertz on that list. Uh, who is the next? Although let me, is the next guy off? Um, is it Dawson Knox? Who's the next guy? Hunter Henry? Who's the next guy off? Uh, in terms of that didn't make that list, that should have. Yeah. Like who would be honorable mention here? I have I had four for you, and you listed two of them. Hunter Henry, Dawson Knox. One was Noah Fant, who I like hmm. a lot. Uh, recently talked to him. I think he's going to have a nice, you know, little spell with the Seattle Seahawks. I think the offense is going to use him differently. He, he's been a top 10 tight end over the past couple of years, but in crafting this list, I decided to leave him off by a hair. The other guy I want to bring up, Pat Fryermuth with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But yeah. if I added him as my in, in terms of the top 10, it would be totally based off of projections moving forward because I think this kid's a stud. But when you put up his stats against some of the other guys on this list from the 2021 season, uh, it was hard to include him. I really wanted to put him there at number 10, but I decided to stick with Zach Gertz instead. Okay, yeah, and look, um, you know, yeah, it, with those 10 spots, sometimes, you know, the 9, 10 spots on, the, on these lists, sometimes you have to decide, am I going to try and pick the breakout tight end for 2022, or am I going to reward the old guy who had a really productive 2021? And and again, like I mentioned with Hopkins, you know, missing six games, Ertz could be a, you know, Christian Kirk's gone. Ertz could be a primary target, even with Marquise Brown in the fold, Um, certainly on the underneath stuff for Kyler Murray, which – you know, may justify that ranking more quickly than Fryermuth, who is going to be adjusting to one of you know, one of two one of two new quarterbacks in Mitchell Trubisky and uh, Kenny Kenny Pickett, as Wilson likes to say. Number nine, you really messed with my head. You mentioned Jordan Schultz and Jordan Dejani, and then I was like, I was like, why Jordan? I was like, why is he talking about the Cowboys tight end? He wasn't uh, Dalton Schultz is uh, <laughs> is your number nine tight end. I mean. I'll be honest, like, I think it says a lot about the position and how good it is that Schultz is all the way down at number nine because he had a really nice season last year and is is playing on the franchise tag and playing potentially to make a ton of money if he has a big season in Mike McCarthy's Cowboys offense with a healthy 16 or 17 games of Dak. 
Yep. And uh, the, yeah, you, I mean, you kind of spelled it out right there. The reason he's lower on this list is because uh, we don't know. Is this going to go down as, as his career year? Is this the best he's going to get? Or is he going to be moving forward? One of the best tight ends, perennial top 10 guy moving forward. Because again, he's only 25 years old. So we have to allow for the possibility that this is an up and rising star, as he mentioned, might be getting paid in the near future. I mean, this was the year where he turned in from like a sneaky good fantasy football play to a, a legitimate top 10 tight end in that category as well. He was six among all tight ends with 808 receiving yards, fourth with 78 receptions, fifth in touchdowns with eight. Another reason he absolutely had to be on this list is because I think this was overall his best blocking season from both, both a run and pass blocking perspective. He's still not some elite blocker. I'm not saying that, but I think he was around 15th in run blocking late run blocking grade, according to PFF. Um, you know, this was a guy that was pretty fun to watch in terms of working with Dak Prescott. He worked the middle of the field well. Uh, he worked some short stuff well as well. Again, he's only 25. So after that breakout year, there's no, no denying he deserved his spot on this list. Tie for first uh, in touchdowns, receiving touchdowns with Amari Cooper. Had uh, more targets than him. Oh, no, excuse me. Had the exact same number of targets as Amari Cooper at 104. Had 10 more catches, but uh, roughly 50-some receiving yards less than Amari Cooper. And now with Cooper gone and Michael Gallup becoming the number two for the Cowboys, CeeDee Lamb, their true one at this point. I mean, Schultz could be in line for a huge season. Right. Like, yeah, absolutely. Did I, did I, I didn't um, miss something and they didn't sign a contract. Did they, they could have. No, there's still, there's still actually Patrick Walker of CBS sports just published something today ah, cool. saying that they're still pretty far apart on negotiations. Uh, I think he showed up to minicamp, but did not participate if I believe so. Obviously he was franchise tagged. Uh, I don't think he's put pen to paper with that yet. Yeah. I mean, if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm Dalton Schultz and I'm looking around at the, uh, the old contract market. I'm just bringing it up on uh, on over the cap. Like David and Joku got a 54 million dollar deal with 28 fully guaranteed. I'm not taking a penny less than David yeah. and Joku. Like David, yeah, David and Joku. The guy who's had drama with the Cleveland Browns franchise ever since he was picked there. Really talented guy, but it's not like he's been a perennial top ten tight end since he's entered the league. Really athletic guy. Maybe his best football's in front of him, but at the same time, Dalton Schultz is coming off that career year. Why not try to get yourself paid if some guy like David and Joku is? Yeah, and I think that's probably the problem for the for the Cowboys and and Dalton Schultz is that you know they would like him to take less money than what he wants. I mean, go figure, right? Um, they probably want to give him something in the Hunter Henry range, which is still 12.5 per year. But it, if, if I make it 10-9 this year on the franchise tag, and I know that if they franchise tag me next year, I get 120% of that, and then they basically can't tag me after that, or maybe they, they can't, but they would be crazy to, I am, I'm not signing some low-ball deal from the Cowboys. I right. am getting paid, frankly, more than market. I want to be paid in the $14 million per year range. I want to get Dallas Goddard money. That's not unreasonable for Dalton Schultz to ask for that after his season last year, knowing what his usage is going to be in 2022. Like that's okay to ask for Dallas Goddard money, which is more than Mark Andrews money. And I'm, that's what I want. If I'm Dalton Schultz and I'm not taking less than that, I'm certainly, I'm just going to like, just take the firm stance. I'm not taking less than David and Joku. I'm sorry. You guys figure it out. He ain't on this list. At number eight, TJ Hawkinson, our first. You mentioned Noah Fant. Um, what are we going to – we're going to have two, I guess, just two 
Iowa tight ends on this list, but uh, tight end university there in, in, in Iowa. Hawkinson, really the more complete of, of the, the, the pair that came in after George Kittle, of course, the, the OG from Iowa. But um, Hawkinson has, you know, I, I think he missed games last year, but he did. Yeah, he did. But, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm jumping in. Uh, no, yeah, jump, if, you, jump if, away. You put, if you put Noah Font or in a, Noah Fant in the Lions situation where TJ Hawkinson is, I believe he might have been better than what he's done with the Denver Broncos. And as I mentioned, he's been kind of a top tied, top 10 tight end over the past couple of years. But with TJ Hawkinson, it felt like in 2021, we were all ready for his breakout season. Uh, he had 163 yards and two touchdowns in his first two contests last year, but then kind of tapered off. A hand injury landed him on injured reserve in December. So this was not a placement on my list for what he did in 2021, but more of the player we know he is and all of us understanding that his best football is probably ahead of him. As soon as the Lions decide they want to find a franchise quarterback, uh, still Hawkinson, he had a career high in receiving yards per game at 48.6. Uh, I think everyone understands he's probably one of the top tight ends in the NFL. Uh, he's a young guy. As I said, I think his best football is ahead of him. His blocking is kind of interesting because he's gone back and forth from being a really good run blocker to a really poor run blocker. But he had to find a place here on my list of my top 10 tight ends, and I placed him at number eight. Yeah, I mean, look, Hawk, you know, 9.6 yards per reception down last year. Uh, and, and, you know, look, he only played in 12 games, 61 catches, 583 yards, four touchdowns. Still a really productive season. His catch rate was way up, but his actual – you know, yards per catch and total volume numbers were down. Um, even his, uh, you know, his yards per game were actually up and his, you know, yards per target down. I mean, I think you can kind of look at these numbers and, you know, like, again, receptions per game up, yards per game up, catch percentage up, but yards per target and yards per reception down. To me, that screams, I went from Matthew Stafford to Jared Goff. You go your 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 overall numbers are up on an average basis, but your sort of explosive numbers are down. That that's just the difference in 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 those two quarterbacks and sort of the throws that they're going to be making. And Hawkinson is probably going to come back and be uh, Jared Goff's safety blanket again. Now yep. he's going to make a you know this is a what I guess is uh, yeah fourth year. So he's eligible for a contract. I wouldn't expect we see one this offseason. I would guess that he plays out uh, one more season. Hawkinson was a first-round pick, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm just, I mean, I'm 99% sure. But, <laughs> um, again, I've been, I haven't thought about football in a week. Um, anywho, Hawkinson eligible for an extension. I would guess he doesn't sign one because he will want that sort of Dallas Goddard. You know, he, like, David Njoku and the Browns, screwed over any team that is that is hoping to sign a tight end to a long-term deal hey, what's but up with the browns they got the- Hawkinson, you're taking less than david and joku you're just yeah. not the browns messed up the quarterback market with deshaun watson they messed up the tight end market it's crazy yeah let's see what else they can maybe they'll sign amari cooper to a 10 million dollar <laughs> per week deal or something like that um yeah so like Hawkinson, i would guess plays out the whole season if he's healthy and he plays 16, 17 games he should have a monster season because he is a perfect security blanket for Jared Goff. This is a team that the defense may be a little improved, but they're still not great. They're probably going to be involved in a lot of shootouts. I think Goff will be targeting him a ton, even in just 12 games. You know, he had 84 targets. So you're, you're talking about a guy who, with these targets, you know, with this sort of, you know, just the, the, how they're utilizing him, it would not be crazy at all for him to have 
a monster season and see him move up this list. Another guy at number seven, Mike Kosecki, is on the franchise tag. Have to assume that he also is going to play out this year because you have a you know Chris Greer still running things in, in the front office, but you have a new coaching staff. Mike McDaniel loves his tight ends. You saw that with George Kittle it, when he was running the offense in, in San Francisco, but Mike Gusecki, not exactly George Kittle in terms of blocking, although he is maybe a more willing blocker than people give him credit for. Crazy athletic out of Penn State would anticipate that if he doesn't get – if again, like if you're Mike Gusecki and you're coming off a 780-yard, you know, you're coming off back-to-back 700-yard receiving seasons and – David and Joku got fifty-four million dollars. Are you taking less than David and Joku? And the answer is no. Are you just not? No chance. No chance. Yeah, Mike Gusecki, he only caught two touchdowns in twenty twenty-one, but he had a career high seventy-three receptions that ranked fifth among all tight ends, I believe. Career high seven hundred and eighty receiving yards, which ranked eighth among all tight ends. Uh, he's a slot receiver. That's a tight end, basically, and he's very athletic, as you mentioned. He's got great ball skills, and this is a guy that you know on my list. It was also a bit of a projection coming into 2022. I'm fascinated by Mike McDaniel. I'm excited to see what he's going to do in this offense. Um, you already brought up George Kittle. We saw how important he was in that offense when it came to blocking and just being a playmaker as well. Security blanket, stretch the field, downfield, whatever. Mike Gusecki is a guy who can do that. Yeah, he's not the exact same blocker, but he's a versatile weapon that I'm sure Mike McDaniel is going to plan around. So number seven on my list, Mike Gusecki, uh, I'm, I'm hoping for a career year for him. Yeah, I w- wouldn't be shocked at all. You know, the one, the only downside with Gusecki is that you have Tyreek Hill, you have uh, Jalen Waddell. You know, how many football, you know, how many balls is Tua going to have to throw around to actually uh, get him in in the mix there? Um, number six, but look, I, I think Gusecki's a freak athlete. Uh, you know, w- wouldn't be shocked if he's using the red zone a ton. And if people are game planning to stop Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, that's going to open things up even more for, for Gusecki, depending on how many, how much they throw. All right. At number six is Dallas Goddard. And I know uh, Colin uh, Finnegan in the chat had asked to, to who were nine and 10. So just to recap, Dallas Goddard, six, Mike Gusecki, seven, TJ Hawkinson, eight, Dalton Schultz, nine, Zach Ertz, 10, uh, Sean Ryder had asked for a link in the chat as well. Debo, the GOAT, has put that in the chat. If you need it, you can also just Google NFL tight end rankings 2022 cbssports.com, and it will pop up for you fairly easily in the Google machine if you're so inclined to throw Jordan a bone. Either way, click on the link in the chat if you're in the chat to give Jordan a click and it'll be like, oh, it's coming from YouTube from the Pick 6 show. Maybe we should give uh, maybe we should give away some more swag or give Brinson a raise or something like that. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? But click on the link, throw, uh, get Jordan some traffic. Always good to do. Dallas Goddard at number six. We mentioned um, really, you know, living in the the shadow of Zach Ertz for, for much of his career. Ertz is traded midseason wasn't it midseason? Am I crazy? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Midseason. Or was it before the season? Zach Ertz being traded was midseason. Midseason, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was traded midseason. Right. And it ended up being a great trade for both Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard because instead of, you know, cannibalizing each other in terms of the catches and the receiving yards, uh, you know, Goddard finishes with 100, or excuse me, 83, 830 receiving yards, 14.8 yards per catch, which is ridiculous, four receiving touchdowns and 56 catches. Uh, nearly a career high in catch percentage as well. By far and away, his best season. He is the third highest paid tight end in football. And even though he is already, uh, I think he's actually, he already turned 27, which is crazy. Here's a birthday with my son, Robbie, January 3rd. Shout out to uh, Dallas Goddard. Um, 
the it was probably the fourth, no, the third. Yeah, I always get confused. Um, <laughs> it's January third, two thousand fourteen. So like that, the four, the three, really messing my head. Okay. Anyway, um, Dallas Goddard, like totally deserving of the spot, and you could even make the case that he could be one or two spots higher if you're willing to project a full season uh, without Zach Ertz in the fold. Yeah, you, you took my talking points. I think that you can make an argument that Goddard could be higher on this list because I truly see him as one of the best dual threat tight ends in terms of catching and blocking in the NFL. And if, you know, when we, when it boils down to it, that's kind of the most important thing when it comes to this position, he's athletic enough to be a good receiver, um, great body, great measurables that he takes advantage of. And you bring it up, you know, the, the jury's still out on if Jalen hurts is a franchise quarterback, but Dallas Goddard had a career year and you brought up the uh, trade with Zach Ertz, which obviously helped him. But man, Goddard's blocking ability is definitely something that, in my opinion, makes him one of the best tight ends in the NFL. The Eagles had the number one rushing offense in the league last year. I think he played a large part in that. As we mentioned, career highs and catches and receiving yards. One of the best in the game, no doubt about it. Sorry, I didn't mean to steal your talking points. Um, no, you're good. It actually happens, right? All right, so <laughs> just and just so people, just so like, you know, I think this is important. So for the 2021 season, he had averaged 3.7 receptions per game and 55.3 yards per game. If you go and additionally uh, 10.9 yards per target, if you go and look at it uh, and, and take the games after the Zach Ertz trade, 10 games that he played in um, following the Ertz trade, he didn't play in week uh, their their week their final game of the season in that 51-26 loss to Dallas, 61.4 yards per game, 14, 15 yards per reception, and 4.1 catches per game. Extrapolate those numbers, the post uh and that that yards per reception is wild. I guess that's a little just only a little bit higher than you know for the 14.8 he had, but um extrapolate that over the like a full season. Johnny, and you get 70 catches for 1,044 yards. So if that's his ceiling or even his baseline, if that's his baseline or ceiling with no Ertz, like we could be looking at a monster year uh, coming up for, uh, for Dallas Goddard and my Philadelphia Eagles as they storm their way to a world championship. Um, uh, <laughs> I was giving Devo a chance to jump in, but. <laughs> I mean, to your point, to your point I, I think that Goddard's the guy that Hurts is really comfortable throwing the ball to as well. We, we saw him struggle to find a connection on some of the routes outside the numbers with guys like Devontae Smith. Uh, if Jalen Hurts is not going to be, you know, a franchise quarterback, you know, I don't, I know we don't want to think about that, but if it's not, he's going to feel comfortable throwing to Dallas Goddard and he's going to be a major part of this offense moving forward. Goddard's going to get his no matter what. Um, yep. The uh, number five, and I think number four, one through four are probably pretty easy and obvious. We can probably lump them all together for, you know, for the purposes of, you know, time. But at five, there's a bit of a projection, although I think it's probably not that hard of a projection, except for the fact that Kyle Pitts, the second year tight end for the Atlanta Falcons, the former number four overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft, um, is is now dealing with uh, Marcus Mariota and potentially Desmond Ritter instead of Matt Ryan. That that to me is the biggest projection part because Kyle Pitts, like he was a disappointment in fantasy because he only had one receiving touchdown, but he averaged nine point three yards per target, had a hundred and ten targets, sixty eight catches, one thousand twenty six yards as a rookie tight end in the NFL, fifteen point one yards per catch. 
Like he had a monster season. He just didn't catch any touchdowns. And so people were pissed off because they drafted him early in fantasy. He's blatantly due for some touchdown regression. It's just a matter of will this offense be good enough with those two quarterbacks? You know, it's very weird because I I somehow correctly predicted exactly what would happen in terms of my list last year. I actually had Kyle Pitts at number four, despite I remember that an NFL snap. Yes, I remember and that. what I said. And I believe what I said, at least if I didn't put this in me, I said time, it on the I radio. Yeah, yeah. I said that Kyle Pitts is going to have a really good year when you look at his statistics. But at the same time, it's going to be hard for people not to be disappointed because the hype around him was so much. We were looking yep. at him as somebody that was going to, you know, transplant or, or uh, replace Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Transcend, transcend. Uh, and he didn't exactly do that. He still had a thousand receiving yards. That broke Mike Dicta's rookie record back in 1961. He broke Julio Jones, Atlanta Falcons rookie receiving record. Third Crazy. among all tight ends and receiving yards. His yards per reception was astronomical as well a really good year I didn't I didn't necessarily correctly predict his touchdowns being so low but this is a guy who I think is, is going to continue to show that he's one of the best tight ends in the NFL you bring up some of the uh talking points when it comes to Marcus Mariota Desmond Raider inconsistency the unknown that's a great point but at the same time I'll tell you this I believe Arthur Smith is really going to game plan around this kid moving forward I think we're going to see him he do more to. in 20. 20- yeah, he, well, he, he definitely has to as well. But I like Arthur Smith in terms of some of the creativity he can have with his tight ends. Go back and look at what how they used Johnny Smith with the Tennessee Titans a few years ago. Um, I th- Kyle Pitts is one of the best in the game. He's going to continue to be a one of the best receiving tight ends uh, in the NFL moving forward. Let's just hope for more touchdowns in 2022. Yeah, I mean, before they drafted Drake London and traded for Brian Edwards, their top receivers were Olamide Zacchaeus, Kaderil Hodge, Alden Tate, Demir Bird, someone named Frank Darby, Geronimo Allison, and Cameron Batson. Like, they needed to draft Drake London. They did it. I think the the London thing actually helps Kyle Pitts because now defenses can't completely lock in on him without adding Edwards. And Edwards is whatever. I mean, like, he's a good player, but he's not like – but London, you know, you're talking about a top 10 pick. Like, if you don't add London – I mean, defenses are just going to double team the living crap out of Kyle Pitts, and they still might do it because he's that good. Uh, but good luck because the dude's a freak and he can just get open. Uh, all right. So, top four tight ends. Again, like lump, lumping them together, not that I'm saying that they are all the same, but I think they're fairly obvious. And it's sort of belaboring the point to like really, you know, like, like you want me to group them two by two? I can do that quickly. Uh, yeah, we can do two by two at four and three, Darren Waller and Mark Andrews. Um, I actually think actually, you know what? Now, yeah, we can do two by two. I tend to think of it as like, because Waller had a down year, maybe it's the big three. Like Andrews to me belongs with Kittle and uh, Kelsey at the top, but we can do two by two just for, for purposes of chat. Yeah. I don't know how much we need to talk about Waller. I think anybody who watches the NFL knows this is one of the more athletic pass catchers at the tight end position around this league. Uh, I mean, you remember in last year's season opener, he caught 10 of 19 targets for 105 yards and a touchdown and a comeback overtime win over the Baltimore Ravens. That caused John Gruden to dub him as the best player he's ever coached. One of the best tight ends in the NFL, no doubt. Uh, And number three, Mark Andrews. If I was making this list just just off of what happened last year in 2021, Mark Mm. Andrews would be number one. 
He was Ooh. probably the be- he was probably the best tight end in 2021, and he didn't have Lamar Jackson for about four, a fourth of the year, which is pretty yeah. crazy. Career highs in receptions and receiving yards. He, he had 107 also- catches, 1,361 receiving yards, and nine receiving touchdowns. Andrews, you're right. If if you're ranking 2021 NFL seasons by tight ends, Andrews is number one, like easily. And to add, just add on to that too, he was one of the best run blockers as well, according to PFF. So the whole product there with Mark Andrews and, you know, he set the Ravens franchise record. You just brought up the numbers for most receiving yards in a single season. And it's funny because that's basically why this franchise isn't worried about it's rather green wide receiving core coming into 2022 because they got a monster like Mark Andrews. Yeah, I agree completely. And I, I do think I like, like it would have been really, really aggressive to rank Andrews one on this list. You could make the case that that's a viable decision to, to like that. It's not a, it's not an unrealistic statement that Mark Andrews is the best tight end in football. But if you do that, you are setting yourself up to be absolutely torched by George Kittle and <laughs> Travis Kelsey, the two best tight ends in football over the last five years. Um, really two interesting guys to compare. You know, we, we did it last year. You can't complain about either one of them. Kittle is the better blocker. Kelsey's the better, you know, pass catcher. Um, but both just, you know, I mean, Kittle was hurt last year. Right, he missed. He missed some time. He missed not as much as the year before, but yeah, he did. Miss right, right. He, so he's missed time the last two years, and Kelsey was just not himself in 2021. I think it is fair to ask the question: Is like, will Travis Kelsey return to form without Tyreek Hill, or will he be the 2021 Travis Kelsey? If he's if he's 2021 Travis Kelsey, I'm at least a little worried about the Chiefs' offense. You know, if he's 2020 Kelsey or 2019 Kelsey, they'll be fine. I think I think he can still easily get there. He's got three or four more really good years left in in his ta- in the tank. Um, Kittle, I'm probably if I'm if I'm taking somebody today for the long haul, I'm taking Kittle, but I'm probably still ranking Kelsey as the top tight end of football. Like I think your one, two, three, four is is correct. I think your top five is kind of it's pretty difficult to to nitpick in if you are that high on on Kyle Pitts. The one through four is almost impossible to 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 quibble with just given their history, their production, what we expect from them moving forward. You know, uh, Kittle is going to have Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo. Kelsey's going to have Mahomes. Andrew still has Lamar, and he was still good even when Lamar was hurt, as you as you noted. And then Waller has Derek Carr. So, like, the, it would be really shocking if any of these guys just had a massive drop-off that wasn't injury-related. Yep, I totally agree. And it's interesting you bring up, you know, Kelsey's production in 2021. He wasn't the same, you know, incredible athlete that was torching everybody for for 17 straight games. But at the same time, his six straight 1,000-yard campaign, that's a tight end NFL record that he continues to build on. Another all-pro selection, seven straight Pro Bowl bid. Not a mauler in the run game, as you said, but I think everyone understands what makes him special is his ability in the receiving game. And another reason I felt very comfortable having him as my number one tight end was actually kind of related to projection because, as you mentioned, Tyree Kill is no longer there. Their, their wide receiving core is interesting. I mean, Sky Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster. I'd love to see MVS break out as well, but those are not for sure things. What we know for sure is that Patrick Mahomes has a very comfortable relationship with Travis Kelsey, and he works the middle of the field well, and I feel like he's going to be, once again, a legitimate focal point on this offense, and even more so if this wide receiving core can't hold up their end of the bargain in the receiving game. Agreed completely. I mean – 
This is like, it's one through four. Again, like I said, it's just an unassailable one through four list. You can move them around if you feel like Mark Andrews is going to continue to be the best tight end in football. And I won't complain, but I would be worried about like George Kittle having a monster George Kittle season uh, with Trey Lance there. And all of a sudden, you know, you feel like an idiot or Travis Kelsey going, you know, returning to form and, and you feel like an idiot. So one through four, no problem with any of those. We'll be very curious to see, uh, you know, if you, if you had to pick one guy from, six through 10 to crack the top four. Cause I think Pitts would be the obvious answer. If you said five through 10, who would you go with um, as a possible intruder into that, into that group? That's really tough. I mean, I would go with either Mike Isaki or Dallas Goddard. I understand yeah. those guys are seven to six. You bring up, you know, it's a good point against with Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle in the receiving game with the dolphins question mark with Tua. I, you can make the argument right now with the, with the article I published that Dallas Goddard should be in that top four, top five as well. Sure. Yeah, I think Goddard with a full season solo with his skill sets uh, in run blocking and in pass catching, if Jalen Hurts takes a leap forward, could be a monster. And same thing with Gusecki, like, you know, new coaching staff, loves to get the tight end involved. If Tua takes a small, even a small leap forward and um, Gusecki's, you know, just a, a red zone beast, it wouldn't be shocking at all if either had a huge season. Agreed completely. Dejani, as always, a pleasure, buddy. Great stuff. Go check out the article. You can click on it in the YouTube channel. Um, appreciate you taking the time, pal. Appreciate you having me on. Happy birthday, man. Hey, hey, much obliged. Uh, follow Jordan at Jordan Dejani on Twitter. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. For Jordan, I'm Brinson. We will see you guys later. CBS Sunday after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.